So today, like you know, I am going to be teaching, not preaching. Amen. Pray for me, by the way. <laughs> because sometimes you can just swap. Pray for me. It means that it is called a school of suffering. It is a school, so it is not kerigma or keruso. It is the daskolos. So I want somebody say teach. teach. I would apologize. I would want to view you guys as seminarians. Amen. One of the things I went back on my Facebook and I saw a reminder of a post I did about a couple of years ago, and I call it the Street Seminary. The Street Seminary is a vision I had many years ago that when the church grows into having our own property, we're going to have a free Bible college. For every member only, by the way. And it will be accredited, by the way. It is not... It is not and the reason why, because I'm an independent accreditor, so I can accredit your programs. And that's what I do for full time. I accredit programs because of what I, yeah, that's another day. In case you're asking, I'm not, I'm not chopping your money. I work. <laughs> I work, yeah. So, is this still working, by the way? Can you hear me still? Yes. Yeah. It's my hair. All right. So, one of the things we want to do in the days to come is to have an accredited seminary. I don't, at the moment, I do, I'm a reader. And as a reader, I research work of doctoral work postdoctoral work as well, but what I don't do, I cannot accredit master's program. I cannot accredit PhDs and DMEANS and THDs, but I can accredit bachelors. All right, so in the days to come, when the Lord will bless the church to have our own seminary, our own Bible school, we're going to be awarding bachelor programs. Amen? Amen. Not certificates, not awards, bachelor programs. That is for now. And my Parents-in-law, we spent a couple of days together, and they asked me, aren't you tired of these PhDs? Because I told them I'm doing one more. But the one more I'm doing is not for me. The one more I'm doing is for the church. The one more I'm doing is what qualifies me to award master's program as well. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot, and I have been privileged to be accepted by Cambridge and Oxford. But hold on. That's not a big name. That's not a big thing. The thing there is that if I go for this offer, you will see less of me on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, there were other options as well that would allow me to be at church. But if those two schools, I like the name, you know, the name. <laughs> but um, one of the things I'll try to do from the coming year is to spend time and bring into my theological world. I want to bring into my space to think like a theologian would think. It really help you grow in your Christian faith. And for those of you that have been seeking to be part of a Bible college, Bible school, seminary, you will find it at the Brook Place. Yeah. When the time is right, amen. amen. Only free for members. Amen. So if you're watching us online, we want to join the Bible college, join the church first. <laughs> All right, amen. Lord, we thank you for your word you're about to hear. The entrance of your word will give light and life and understanding. Pray that you hear our hearts, O oh God, and open our eyes to see the revelation of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Triumph said to me, you cannot complete this in one day. And I pray I don't do that in one day. Hopefully it might be a series. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Do we have a barcode available? What you want to do, we want to learn together. All right. What I've done now, you have, I don't know if you have um, Android here, Android. No, 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 no. It's not, no, no. I want to, uh, Yeah. Android, Android, Android. Um, Shalom, Shalom, where are you? Shalom, where are you? Come, 
Shalom. If you have an Android phone, please stand up. Take a picture of them. I'm serious. Take a picture of them and post on Instagram and hashtag Android. Yeah. Uh, uh, take a not picture, but video. A video. All the Androids. Yes, I like that sound better. All the Android. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Androids. Look at them. These are the Androids in the house. Sets of disobedient people. Look at them. All right. If you have an iPhone. <laughs> iPhone, stand up. <laughs> Look at them. They carry glory. Look at them. They have power. <laughs> you may be see that quickly. If you have an Android or an iPhone, take, um, we'll just scan this. We want to learn from this today. And if they are watching online, is there a link for them to join online? It's online. Or if you're watching online, you see the caption on the screen. So if you haven't, you're going to take a, a back of um, what do you call it? We want to read. Have you been able to open it? Yes. All right. So the title of our message today is Median. And if you are unable to take the download because you have an Android phone, you can get a link. Okay, bring it back. They want to see it. Median. Just join me, just note for note, so that we know where we're going, okay? Scan me. We, this morning I asked Manuel to put up um, a barcode. It worked with iPhone. It struggled with Android. Did it work with Android as well? Did you struggle with it? It was hard, right? Come. He, 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 ask him, it was hard, but now it worked, right? It worked eventually. So we love you, Androiders. The Lord bless you. Amen. All right, the title of our message today is called Median. Somebody say Median. All right, the reason why I want to talk about this, I want you to listen as a church and you have your notes. You can download the slides and do your own study. In your time, I believe the Lord indeed will go ahead of us. Amen, church. Amen. Have you ever prayed for suffering? Yeah, it is a taboo to talk about this in the church because the charismatic church we like to cast and bind. Do you know suffering is a gift? Yes, ma'am, it is. Suffering for the sake of the gospel, it is a gift. I want to flip the coin and talk about what you don't want to hear about church on Sunday because we like the I receive and I claim. Money I receive, anointing I receive. You get married to receive. We, we like all the, we've been built to receive and, 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 and claim all the things we think, you know, seems good. Nice house, nice everything. But we do not understand that there is also a side of the gospel that you have to suffer with and for. There are places in the Bible that tells us that if you suffer with him, you reign with him. There is no reigning without suffering. Persecution and tribulation will come to the saints. Jesus preached it again and again. One of the reasons why we haven't come into our full potential as believers is because we are casting and binding what is meant to make us walk into our prophetic destinies. Just because it doesn't make sense to our journey doesn't mean it's not God. So I think what we've done, we've demonized the process. 
demonize suffering and say, I cast and bind. And God is saying, this is the necessary catalyst to your next level. Suffering is needed in our journey. And tonight, I want to talk about Midian, but especially talk about a man who I believe is the perfect example in the time of the law and also a perfect example in the time of grace. The man by the name of Moshe, you call Moses. Moses was a man who lived 120 years of his life, split into three 40s. The first 40 years of his life, the next 40 years of his life, and his last 40 years of his life. And Jesus also would exemplify these three processes. And if you are a believer, you must go through these three processes. Listen, in this journey, there is nothing such as a quantum leap. We like to skip the process and say, God, I don't need this. You don't choose and pick this journey. This journey or these journeys are necessary for your next level. Amen. Amen. The church don't like the breaking, but we like the breakthrough. And that's where we are. There is no breakthrough without first a breaking. You would have to be broken before God comes through for you. Amen. Now, if you have your slide quickly, you know, I want to go from the beginning and it says, Median, the school of Christian suffering. It sounds like an oxymoron, right? Because our idea of Christian means free from troubles. No, it doesn't mean free from troubles. It means that in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear because thou art with me. There is a valley of a shadow of death. Christianity doesn't mean that God takes out the valley. It means that in the midst of the fire, he is with us. But the good thing about fire is that sometimes for the unbeliever, it consumes. For the believer, it refines. And a lot of times, we want to be caught. Do you know, if you don't, you know, I, I'm on camera, I'm going to say it, but I know that it may not go too far. Uh, that's a song that I didn't sing for a while. I've said it here before. I didn't sing the song for a while. I went the least here and the rest of singing. I kept, kept quiet. I want to be tried like fire. You be tried. I, I'm not going to try. I'm tired of being tried. That month was a try month for me. I didn't want no more trying anymore. I said, God, I don't want to be tried with fire. I want to be tried with money. Because <laughs> if you like fire, good for you. I want money. That time of my life, I needed all the money in the world. And she was singing, I want to be tried like fire, purify. I said, God, don't purify me fire. I need money. But you see, that is a song that tells us that sometimes before you become the other side of victory, you must go through some fire. Amen. Amen. Fire is necessary for refinement. Do you know what the Bible calls you in Romans chapter 12? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of the Lord, that you present your what? As a what? That's the problem. Sacrifice has to be dead. But you have to, it says you have to be alive and be under heat. And the, good thing, and the funny thing about sacrifices that are alive, once they get on the altar, they roll off. But it says stay under heat. Whew. I mean, if you are dead as a sacrifice on the altar, you won't feel the pain, right? You're dead. But it tells you to be alive, but be burnt. The journey of the Christian faith. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, mercy of the Lord, that you carry your own body and put on that heat. And the heat will be born in your body. Praise Jesus, I love you in the heat. Give you all the glory. Have you been there before? When the devil wants you to curse. Have you been there before when 
Can you imagine a man in the scripture, the devil took his family, his children, his wife, his job, and, his, and the wife told him, if the wife said to him, just curse God and die. Just curse him and die. It's very easy to say, God forbid. It's very easy. Have you been there before where everything you have is being stripped off you? You will say, God forbid. A lot of them, because we've never been in that space before, it's easy for us to say stuff. But have you been there before where it takes your family, takes your job, takes your health, takes your mind, takes everything and wants you to praise? The true test of your faith is not when God gives you when he asked. It's when he takes from you the one you had. We live a very comfortable Christianity in this Western context. We come to church when we feel like in the Western context. But I believe that there is a true test of the faith of the believer. You know, when, when, <laughs> when things that will make you, you know, have you been there before? Things that will make you swear back in the day. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> you know, remember one time, you know, I was working my usual back in the day, nine to five and I had a colleague then. He was Muslim, and he was trying to disdain the word of the Lord. <laughs> and I looked at him. You know that soft side of the kingdom? I don't know about you. The south side. You know, some of you are from the west part of the kingdom. Puji. So saved, very bougie. People like us, we are from the south side. <laughs> we are saved, but we still have our sword. And I'm trying to be on the west side. When this guy said what he said, I looked at him. The anointing of Peter. <laughs> I, just, I just shook my head and just walked past. Why? Because I understood what it means to suffer as a Christian. How he would persecute your faith. You just have to love a name. The school of Midian. Let's go. Philippians chapter number 3 verse 10 to 11. Our first text today. Amen. I'm taking my time to make you understand. Please go home tonight and discuss this. I mean, if you can, let me give you an, an, let me give you an, uh, an assignment. The five group today, spend a week and just talk about this text today. Have fellowship. Is that okay? Let's, let's leave the gossip for one week. And let's just, the five group, call yourself and have a Zoom call amongst yourself. Pick out a day. And just study together. Go through the notes. It's free online. It's on the website. Is that okay? Yes, Let's do that. Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 10. The Bible says, Now Paul writes to the church at Philippi. Um, Philippi is an, it's, it's an interesting place in Scripture. If you look at the geographical context of Philippi, it has what we call the Greco-Roman preconsuls. They are very Greekish in their culture, but very Roman in their traditions and religions. And one time in the gospel, Jesus went to a place called Philippi of Caesarea from the word Caesar. He was the mastermind. He was the God. He was like the Lord and in that region. And he asked, who do men say that I am? And, 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 and the, the idea of Philippi, when Paul built the church or Paul established the church in Philippi of Caesarea, there were people who still had this. Because the church was fairly new, they were going through a lot of persecution from the Greeks and the Romans. And Paul will write to the believers there in Philippi and says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
because they denied the resurrection. And a fellowship of his suffering. They worked fellowship, koinonia. It's an interesting what it means to partake. With fellowship, we are fellow brethren of his suffering. Amen. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to a resurrection from the dead. I, want, I don't want to spend too much time on the Greek and the Hebrew, but Paul says that he wants to know him, number one, the power of his resurrection, number two, the fellowship of his suffering. How many of you have taken the time to really look at the suffering of Jesus? I mean, I'm not talking about just the crucifixion. The gospel did not do justice to his crucifixion. Psalms, the David that wrote, the, 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 the psalmist spent time to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. He wasn't just nailed to the cross. He wasn't just hung on a tree. He was broken, beaten, slapped. That is God. And Paul says, I want a fellowship in that suffering. Paul is saying, I want to be a partaker of that suffering. Amen. Being conformed to his death, if by any means that I may attain Lambano to the resurrection of the dead. All right. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 12. I did a bit of exegesis there, but hopefully it's not too deep for you. I tried to make it very, amen. Am I on still? Can you hear me guys still? Yes, sir. Maybe it's my age. I'm getting old. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. Are you there? Yeah. Who, how many of you <laughs> like the book of Timothy? It's still loud now. I'm, I'm struggling. You like Timothy, right? I love Timothy. I love the book. How many of you know who Timothy was in the Bible? What's in the Bible? Young guy. Now hear me. Let me give you how, let me help you out to study the Bible. Especially the Pauline. Pauline is not a woman. Pauline is Paul's writing. We call that genres. All right? We have the gospel as a genre. We have epistolation as a genre, which is the writing. We have revelation. We have the law. We have history and all of these things. To understand how Paul writes, to understand, that's what you call the mood of the writers, is to look at the context that he wrote from. For instance, the Pauline epistle, which is called the Pauline epistolation, is split into the general epistle, the prison epistle, and the pastoral epistle. All right. The general epistle are books like Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Galatians. They are nice writings, but it is not as it is not like the prison epistle. So when Paul will write the book of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, the tone that Paul would use is different from how he writes the book of Romans. Romans is a doctrinal book. 1 Corinthians speaks about the mess in the church. 2 Corinthians is not meant to be written. It was only written because someone had done a forgery of another Corinthian, so Paul writes 2 Corinthians to correct that forgery. So 2 Corinthians is a book that corrects the forgery that came out that Paul had written. The syncretists and the Gnostics had written books and Paul says, I did not write the book. Galatians is a book that Paul wrote because the believers there say that you can be justified by faith with a pinch of Moses. 
So they are called the Judaizers. The Judaizers are Christians, by the way, but they say that, you know what, justification by faith alone doesn't make sense. We need a little bit of Moses and a little bit of Sabbath, a little bit of do not eat pork, and a little bit of just of, you know, stuff like that. And Paul will go back to um, the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15 of Acts to tell them, these guys are out of your mind. Galatians is a rich book that separates the bond woman from the free woman. The book of First and Second Thessalonians is another issue again. Paul wrote about First Thessalonians to the church in Thessalonica and tells them about the apostle, the rapture of the church. Then a group of guys came and said, Whoa, you've missed the rapture. You've missed it. Oh, you lied to us, Paul. So Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians to correct First Thessalonians and also talked about the Perusia, which is the second coming of Jesus. When Paul writes to Timothy in the pastoral epistle, that First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus are for pastors. They are for leadership, not for the congregation. Amen. So when you read First and Second Timothy and Titus, have a pastor's mindset. All right, not just a believer's mindset. The believer's mindset is to read the book of First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and all of this book. But Paul would write to a man who would head the church of Ephesus, an apostolic church that became very doctrinal but left their first love. And Paul writes in verse 12, If we endure, that has caused a lot of mistranslation. It's not meant to be endure. The idea of endure sounds good. It means to persevere here, but it doesn't mean perseverance in this context. If you look at the content of the scripture, endure means to suffer. So some translation tells you if we suffer, we shall also what? Somebody say rain. rain. Say rain, church. Rain. That's only if you suffer. So it is possible to... <laughs> right, Paul said, if we enjoy, we, we shall also reign with him. Now, I tried to break that word rain. The next slide. Hupomeno. And the word hupomeno means to suffer What? Gracefully broken. Not suffer with whining. Thank him for the pain. Have you been there before? Lord, I thank you for this heartbreak. I just love, Lord, I thank you for just losing my job. Yeah. Oh, suffer patiently. Lord, I thank you for the mess I went through. I don't like it, but I thank you. How many of you have really thanked God for the thing you lost? Thank you. Not your boyfriend. I mean, the real one that you... Because a lot of you thank God for that guy that's an abuser. The real thing you lost. Amen. Amen. And Paul writes, Hope Amenu, to patiently suffer. Take your time and suffer. We call it suffer well. Take your time and grieve. Suffer. For the sake of the gospel, suffer. You may not understand the private struggles we have to face and the private lions and bears we have to fight. So when you see a man who is reigning in the things and the affairs of God, don't be quick to criticize him. You don't know that private suffering. 
if our suffering had oh by the way the word rain there speaks of stephanos which means rank you may not really understand what a lot of us are going through please i beg you i beg you when a sister or a brother attains what you're praying for don't be quick to condemn them only if you understood how they had sleepless night for years you will pray with them so paul writes the word let's go back to the first word hupameno the word hupameno means to patiently suffer the word patient means don't skip the process ah the word patient means that there, you don't, there is nothing as a quantum leap in the journey. You cannot escalate or expedite it. It means that you have to go through every step of the suffering. One, two, three. Not one, five, seven. Are you hearing church? Because the step that you skip will become a monster in your future. Every time you skip a step, get ready. There is something waiting for you. Because every time, you skip a, every time you go through a journey, God empowers you to withstand the demon of the next level. So if you skip it, you will see it in the future. You cannot, as part of your journey and destiny, whatever you skip becomes your enemy. So learn how to, there's a saying that says that whatever you run from today, you face the next day. Amen. So somebody say patiently suffer. This is what I mean, you don't have to rebuke it. You have to receive it. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Patiently. And you will suffer with joy. You thank him. Thank you, Father, for this suffering. That's the word, Hooperman. But the word rain, it's an interesting word as well. The word rain, to rain with the Lord Jesus. That word rain is the word, who can pronounce the word? Mm, that's good. In the Greek, okay, no, that's no time for grammar. <laughs> no, no, different. I'm not doing grammar today. That's what you call passing, okay? A phrasing. So the Greek English is different from, I know it's not English class, but I just want to help you to understand the meaning of the word. The Greek is not like the English class, the English, all right? You have numbers in the Greek, you have verbs, you have types of verbs, okay? What makes you a Greek scholar is not just by the pronouncing what you see on there. One of the mistakes we've made a lot of time when we studied the Bible. Oh, the Bible says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon you. Power means dunamis. And you miss it. Power don't mean dunamis. Dunamis means power. <laughs> and that's the problem. So we are quick to go to blue letter and go to step and say, well, it means that whereas you don't understand that it was translated. I would need to understand what kind of power is that, by the way? Is that Kratos? Is that Eskos? Is that Dunamis? Is that even Exusia? Because Exusia is not authority. It means powerful authority. Amen. Sumbasi Leo. Leo. Sumbasi Leo. Now the word S-U-M as a soon, pronounced S-O-O-N, is always a preposition. It means to be with or with. But the word Basileo. It's a verb. And the word basileo is from the word basilia. Basilia is a noun. Basileo is a verb. And in order for a noun to be a noun, it must understand the verb derivative. Is that English linguist? Okay. In order to understand the verb, it must understand the participle. I went to seminary. That's why I'm, I'm trying to show off, by the way. 
But the reason why the word basileo day is used because it's a verb, not a noun. It is not just kingdom. The word basilia means kingdom. And the word basilia speaks of a physical, literal kingdom, the millennial kingdom. But the word basileo is a walking kingdom. Active verb. And that's why we want to do the school for real. It, it, it helps you understand the Greek. Is it a vocative verb? Is it genitive verb? Is it a dative verb? Is it argumentative verb? Or is it a nominative verb? Once you know the verb, you know how to put the words together. So the Bible says, reign within. The word reign is the word of two words, of, which means with and kingly reign. So the Bible is saying that if you suffer with him on the earth, you shall reign with him in the kingdom. Are you hearing? We are not going to be the same in the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have different ranks in the kingdom. Different responsibilities in the kingdom. We are all going to go to heaven, but we are going to be different in the kingdom. Are you hearing? The word is called kleronomio, by the way. It means, as, as you look at the scripture also in the book of Ephesians, the Bible speaks about, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to walk worthy, right? Yes. Axios. According to the call, which we, the word axios is from the word katasio, which means grace and levels of worthiness. The word axios means worthy. But katasio speaks of that grace, the different graces. You can't tell me that someone who evangelizes, prays every day, loves his neighbor, does everything in the scripture, will be the same rank as you, just snow and sleep every single day. You go to heaven, but different rankings. So if you suffer with him, you will reign with him. And the truth is this, the more the suffering, the more the reigning. Are you here in church? We spoke about the types of crowns the last time. Incorruptible crown, crown of glory, crown of redemption. There, there, there were levels to this game. All right, so we want to go to the main text today. I don't want to spend too much time. Now our template is the life of Moses. Now there are three schools of our faith. There are three schools of the Christian faith. School of leaning, School of learning, school of leadership. Amen. Amen. Every believer must go through these three schools. School of leaning, school of learning, and school of leadership. No one is saved to sit down. Everyone who is saved is saved to serve. Somebody says school of leadership. As believers, we should be responsible believers. And that's the reason why there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer is saved. Methodist as a disciple means a follower. Amen. So these three phases are what we go through as believers in our journey. Somebody say leaning, learning, and leading. All right, let's run. Let's talk about the first part called the palace. We want to look at the life of a man by the name of Moses. How many of you have taken the time to study the book of Exodus? I won't ask you questions. I'm just asking this. I won't put you on a... On a it's, it's not hot seats today. How many of you have taken the time to study Exodus? Genesis? Lift your hands where I will ask you questions for Genesis. If somebody Genesis, I want to ask you a question. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Exodus chapter number 2, verse number 1 to 15 is the life of a man by the, by the name of Moses. Without the time to read today, ends, we gave you the slide. But in this journey of Moses' life, you realize that 
This is called the life of the palace. Big boy. Bougie Moses. Chopping life. A man who knew how to live the best life. He was an amazing guy. Just in case you do not know, the Egyptians are so wealth-minded that they disdained nomads. If you read cattle and cows, you don't want to come close to, a, to an Egyptian, rather. Just like the Jews would disdain pigs, a, an Egyptian would disdain cattle rearing. That's the reason why when they came back from where they were, Jacob and his sons, they went to Goshen. But Goshen is the, the border outside of the main city that you're allowed to do your rearings. But this was a man, Moses, who was born in a time where the Pharaoh had said to kill all the young men because how they multiplied. Do you know that persecution multiplies you? When they believe you're persecuted, they grew, right? The more you're persecuted, the more God gives you abundance. You do not know that? Whenever you are persecuted, God is preparing something on the other side of your life. Every time there is persecution in the Bible, they multiplied and they prospered. Trust me. If you can endure the process, God is just stacking up for you. Amen. So the man by the name of Moses was born in the time. And the life he leads, you find it from um, chapter number two. Now, the next slide says the school of leaning. Moses was born in Egypt at the time when the Pharaoh had ordered all male Hebrew babies to be killed. His mother placed him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River, where he was found and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses grew up in the palace. That should be very important in the coming days. He did not understand what it means to suffer. He was the palace boy. Like many of you, you're still living in palace Christianity, right? You haven't suffered yet. Still living the palace lifestyle, comfortable Christianity. That's the reason why some things have not happened in your life. Because you're too comfortable in this journey. You haven't suffered well. Oh. You still have options, right? Have you been in a place before where you have no choice? We still have options. That's why we are saying, no, well, I can, I may not. If your life dependent on praising and serving God, you will miss a Sunday. So we, we know how to pick and choose. Comfortable Christianity, if the devil has dealt with you, you won't even have, Like we read the last time, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, right? Many of you are still doing pick and choose because you're living comfortable lives. When the devil fire you, you will not even put on the old armor. You ask for two. <laughs> or because you're very comfortable. Oh, I, 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 I don't need the helmet of salvation today. I need only the, the shield of faith. I need only one. No, because you're very comfortable. It's only dealing with the head. It hasn't dealt with the heart. When the devil fire you, you ask for, can I have a spare? Okay, this one wears out. So the reason why a lot, of us still, a lot of us are still where we are because we are still living the comfortable, convenient Christianity. I don't have to come to, I don't have to come to church. If your work dependent on that level of conversation and the boss tells you, if you don't come to work, you get half of your pay. Yeah, you won't have to think, I don't have to go to work. You will go to work with your flu and your sickness. Unless you have a legitimate reason. If the government will take out from your pay, a hundred pounds for every day you miss work. Now think of it this way. If the devil will steal from you blessings every day, would you not pray? But that's what he does though. That's what he does. So Moses was born in the palace and enjoyed the palace life. 
And I'm going to give you the reason, the reason why I would list out the life he lived in the palace to give you context. But he eventually fled to the desert after killing an Egyptian who was mistreating a Hebrew slave. All right. The next slide will give us the life of the Egyptian. But let me give you the story. This man by the name of Moses, one day, big boy, lived with the king, ate the king's food, drank the king's wine. He went to the best schools. He went to the best military schools. Now, back in the day, Egypt was called the, was called the nation. It was the strongest nation on the earth. Egypt was so strong and powerful, had first education, had first architecture, had first... Everything about Egypt was amazing. Even today, the history of their culture is still kept. They understood the value of their culture. And Moses had grown in the time of Pharaoh. And not only did he grow in the house of Pharaoh, he was considered the son of Pharaoh. Because much later, you will see that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. But at this moment, he was the son of Pharaoh. He was adopted by Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter had him as the, this my new baby. She couldn't have a child. So Moses' context of life was not the usual context of the Jewish suffering. His brothers were building all the Ramses and the, and the cities and the, building the spaces. And Moses was eating medium well steak. Having nice grape wine and grape juice. His brethren were suffering. So he had no understanding of suffering. Right? He had no understanding. So what you want to read now is the life of Moses. In the palace, he hadn't known suffering. All he knew was pleasure. He hadn't known what it means to pay the bills. You know, you don't really appreciate your parents until you leave the house. Yeah. Contribute something. <laughs> when they kick you, you will beg them. <laughs> Suffering. Fine clothing and jewelries. As an adopted son of Pharaoh, Moses would have had access to the finest clothing and jewelry. Exodus 3 verse 19 tells us that he was wearing a royal robe when, in, when he intervened in a dispute between the two Hebrews. Sumptuous meals. Ah, medium steak. With nice mashed potato on the side. <laughs> Goodness me. The place would have been access to the finest ingredients and the best church. So Moses would have eaten very well. Exodus 2 verse 20 says that he was invited to eat bread with the priest of Midian. Music and entertainment. Now Egypt back in the day was a place of music. The palace would have had musicians, dancers, and other performers to entertain the guests. Moses would have obviously been exposed to a wide variety of music and other forms of entertainment. Physical training. This guy was in charge. Josephus wrote and said that Moses led the Egyptian army to war against the Assyrians and won them. So he was the guy that had six packs. Yeah, six packs Christian. <laughs> the Egyptians were known for their emphasis on physical fitness and athleticism. Moses would have received training in various sports and physical activities, intellectual stimulation. This guy is the first architect. Egyptians, I went to Egypt and I saw the pyramid and I wondered how did human beings put these stones together? I mean, these stones were, how? Architecture, they were good for, for that. Number six, luxurious furnishings. They had nice furnishings. Number seven, educational learning. 
Moses would have received a high quality education, learning about science, philosophy, mathematics, and other subjects. Acts 7.22, when Stephen was standing before the Sanhedrin, the Bible says he was educated in all wisdom, in all wisdom of the Egyptians. This guy was a scholar. All right? That was Moses for you. Social connections. This guy, he knows all the prime ministers and all the queens and the kings. This guy was, he had levels. He had access to knowledge and secrets. If you look at the life of Moses in the learning phase, in the leaning phase, he leaned on the queen, sorry, he leaned on the, the queen regent and the, and the king. He didn't have to suffer. He had slaves that brought his food for him. Your majesty, dinner is served. Your majesty, what would you have for breakfast? I spent the time many years ago, I watched, have you, have you seen Coming to America? Yes. You saw how Akim was taking care of, not the, not the new one, the old one, yes. the part one. He had many women buffing him, right? Akim, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your majesty, he had everything. He wouldn't walk on bare ground. They have to pull the whole carpet. Came as a king. Big boy. Hasn't suffered. Chopping his father's money. He hasn't suffered. So he would, he would, he would live the life. You know, I, I saw an advert one time on TV of how a guy was taking his time to measure the toilet tissue, to cut the toilet tissue. Why? When he was in his father's house, he was just... <laughs> now in his own house, you, he knows how to put the light off. You know your father's house, you, you leave the light on and go to bed. Now in your house, please, please, switch it up. And let's... <laughs> you know how to be careful in your house. When your father says you not to waste water, you'll be buffing for 60, 60, one hour, you're still in the shower. Because you're not paying the water bill. In your own, you'll be buffing like African people. You put it in the basin. <laughs> Alright, so Moses had the pleasure of living the best life like a lot of us in this place. We haven't suffered. We've leaned, just as he leaned onto Pharaoh, you've leaned onto your own understanding. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord in all your ways. But he has trusted in Moses and what the palace will provide. And guess what? He hadn't suffered. He felt he could intercede. You know the power of your intercession comes from your suffering. Oh, trust me. He hadn't learned what it means to suffer. He killed a guy but could not even bury him. Later you realize that when he had suffered, he killed the whole chariots and their armies and buried them in the sea. So he was the guy who's bougie guy and saw two guys fight. Now he understood that he was, he was a Hebrew guy. He understood that my assignment is to deliver my people. And boom, he struck this guy and then ran. Haven't you wondered how he struck someone who was striking his brother and the news spread abroad? You would have been thinking like, I thought he did well. I thought this, my brother would say thank you. How come now he's spread this thing, what was meant to be a secret? And that's what some of you don't understand. Sometimes you do good for people and it turns bad and I get angry. But what you didn't understand, that was a setup for your next journey. If that guy had not reported, Moses would still be in the palace. Maybe you need your friend. <sighs> Sometimes you need to tell Penina, thank you. Because if there was no Penina, there wouldn't be a frustration of Anna and there would be no Isaac. Sometimes enemies will push you into your destiny. Hear me, church? Sometimes you thank you, Father, for the enemies. 
Because sometimes you don't know your purpose until they push you. Yeah. Have you been so frustrated that you have to pray? Yeah. <laughs> I hate her. No, thank her. Because if there was no Penina, there won't be a Samuel. When life will frustrate you, you have no choice but on your knees. So this young man by the name of Moses, now he's about to go to this next level called the level of his learning. He's been leaning all this while on the royal palace. Like we've been leaning on our education, leaning on our families, leaning on our brothers and sisters. We haven't learned to lean on God. And Moses would lean on God much later when he goes to a new place. And the next phase is what I want to spend the time with. That stuff is dead. I don't know the time I have more. Somebody say learning. Every time you go through Christian suffering, you need to journal it down. Every suffering you go through, it's rehearsal for the next journey. Hear me again. You are practicing. Your suffering is a practice for your next breakthrough. Hear me. No suffering in the kingdom is wasted. Let me say it again. No persecution is wasted. Every time you go through a Christian suffering, because God is building capacity for your next level. Are you hearing church? So stop casting and binding one is to stretch you. Alright, the next one. Median, the school of learning. That is in Exodus chapter number 2 verse 16 to 4 verse 31. The life of, I, I, I read Moses' life in Median. I was like, how? It was, uh, the life of Moses in Median was a, it was a uh. Moses spent the next 40 years. The first 40 years was enjoyment. Yeah. He was living his best life in the palace. The next 40 years of Moses' life in the land of Median. Now, Median symbolizes wilderness and suffering. But there is a lesson to learn in the suffering. Have you, have you ever had any emotional pain before? Emotional pain? Frustrated, angry, disappointed? Have you been there before? Did you learn from that? No, 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 no. I'm not asking if you understood. Do, did you get the message of the pain? It's not about, oh, I left my lesson. I'll, be I'll close my heart now. No, did you learn the lesson? Did God speak to you the reason why that happened? Do you know God knew before you met the boyfriend it was going to break your heart? Did you ask God, God, what is the purpose of this pain? Every pain has a purpose. You lost your job? There's a purpose for it. <laughs> Friends lied on you? There's a purpose for it. Every issue you go that breaks you as a saint, God has a purpose. So what God does? It garnishes all the pain for your good. Oh. Romans will tell us much later. Because not all things are good, but all things happen for good. Say it again. The heartbreak may not be good, but it is for your good. If God showed you what will happen in the marriage, you will run when he, when he asks you out. You, know, you, you don't understand. Trust me. I've been very, my wife has told me to be very careful when I do marriage counseling. Because I've, I've, I've scared a few people out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the worst thing to do counseling with, is to do counseling with a prophet. Yeah. One time I asked one of the guys, 
the girl. Did, did, did I tell you he has uh, two kids in Middlesbrough? I was like, huh? My after that, she was like, stop, stop, sorry, babe. Stop saying. They, they came to a prophet. What were you thinking? <laughs> it's going to be a good man. <laughs> no, did, did it? How long have you been dating for now? Pastor will be dating for 18 months now. You don't know he has children? No. I said, I I why, you, why, you, why do you come to a prophet? What are you here for? Are, are you hearing me, church? What are you here for? So if you, want, if you have secrets, don't come home. I will talk. I will talk. That's my son. So I'm saving, I'm saving you, but if you know you really have a man that likes you, bring him. We're going to scan him. Scan him. So everything that happens for a reason. Amen. Say to your neighbor, no pain is wasted. No pain is wasted. Do you know God collects the tears as crystals? In your night times when you shed the tears, he picks it up as a crystal and holds it. Can you imagine the Lord say to Cornelius, your prayer has come as a memorial. Oh, a memorial. The pain is wasted. God holds that tears and holds this pain and says, you know what? I'm going to respond to your pain. Amen. Bible says where he married and had children, one day while tending his father's in-law's flocks, he encountered a burning bush that was not consumed by the flames. He encountered the Lord this time. That word burning bush, the word bush is the word thorns. Moses was not amazed by the burning bush because it's natural for bushes to burn in that area. It's median. Even in California, I see a lot of burnings. Or LA, fire. So fire was known to be in that region. The bush was burning. That same word is as bush. The same word is as thorn you find in Genesis 3. But was not consumed. That is the grace of God there. The bush itself was not consumed. But it was burning. It's not going to consume us. But it's burning of the saints. In theology, that's what you call theophany, Christology. Theophany is the appearance of God as Christ in the Old Testament in forms of angels. When you find things like the angel of the Lord, if it's the word Adonai or Jehovah or Jehovah. So Moses one day, the Lord was going to call Moses. The Lord used a supernatural experience to call Moses. Like I said, Moses was not concerned for the burning bush because it was natural. And maybe see a burning bush there. If I, if I saw a burning bush today, I'm not going to be worried because bush, bush is born. But the bush was not burning. It was, it was not burning, but it was not consumed. That's what, most of like, what in the heaven is going on here? God will always invite you to the wilderness by supernatural encounters. Mm-hmm. Supernatural encounters. Because that is the only thing that can assure you that is God. So that you differentiate suffering long from long suffering. In this journey, God is the one who does the invitation. Hear me? Never go into a process without first consultation. God called him into that wilderness. Be careful how you inflict pain on your body. Be careful. Are you, oh, we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but how did, was it an invited persecution or you inflicted it on your body? The Bible says, if you look at the scripture, Moses saw the and the Bible says, and God spoke to Moses in the bush. 
and called him to lead Israel out of Egypt. It was the call of God. Hear me? Suffering is a call. It is not a desire. If you desire for it, you'll be broken without grace. If God calls you into that, he gives you grace to go through that. Are you hearing me, church? So stop putting yourself in unnecessary suffering because you want crowns. Are you hearing? This is a call. And to whom much is given? Ah, let's see. Let's see. You want to be the apostle of the nation? <laughs> You've not been able to manage your sister's burden. You and your sister fall out in church. You are screaming and deleting on social media and fighting. I'm, I'm, I'm posting subliminal. I want to be the prophet of the nation. You are not serious. Let me tell you what it means. The prophet of the nation is a prophet that carries the burdens of everybody in the nation. You've not carried the one of your siblings. You want to carry the entire nation. Moses was called to lead Israel, an entire people out of a town. It's not easy, a whining believers, whining people. Let me tell you the truth. The easiest thing as a pastor is preaching. I will close my eye and preach. I can preach on, give me, I can preach on comb. I can preach on handkerchief or face towel. I'll give, you, I'll give you scripture. I don't have to prepare to preach. I don't preach. I never, I've never preached with notes. I don't have notes when I preach. It comes natural. I can preach for days. The hardest thing is people. People management. You want to be a pastor? I don't know how to manage emotions. <laughs> you will pray with someone in one minute. They will turn back in one minute, 1.1 second and misbehave. Like, I just... It's people, man, not doctrines. Preaching is easy. Let me tell you the, the skill of a pastor. It's not didactics or exegesis or exposition. It's their ability to manage everybody's emotion individually. So the way I deal with you, I don't deal with you, I don't deal with you. I deal with everyone individually different. So I have to master you. So when I say to Amanda, how are you? May not be how I say to Delicia, how are you? I need to understand my tone and my tune. I have to dedicate time to understand EQ, emotional intelligence. You have to, how to speak to people, how not to speak to people. It is not preaching. We can preach in our word. So there are people that I will rebuke. I will put Bobby and Marvin, say, take care of this bottle of water. And if both of them don't take care of the bottle of water, they both failed, right? I'll rebuke them differently. I understand Mabi's emotion and Bobby's emotion, so I'll rebuke them based on how they are. That is the hardest work. Spending the time to learn people. Learn how they think. Learn what they like. Learn how they want to be spoken to. Learn it. That is the hardest work as a pastor. Not eschatology. That's easy. Moses would have to learn how to manage whining, murmuring people. Un the most ungrateful. <laughs> no, hear me, church. Hear me. I want to help you. Moses got so frustrated that he, he, he missed his promise. Yes. Church people. I mean, it, it, it took them out of Egypt 
took them around the sea and took them around the, and he himself did not enter the promise. Church people. He got so frustrated, he struck what he should speak to. Because anger. Now, how can he be angry? Listen, George and Delicia and Amanda, how can the Bible says Moses was the meekest man yet was angry and did not enter the promise? How can, how can a people bring out the demon from a meek man? Church people. Are, are you hearing church? He was, Bible calls the meekest man on the earth. Yet did not enter the promise because he was what? Angry. That level of frustration of believers. Yeah, I mean, this thing called Christianity is not, it's not as easy. Maybe you haven't faced some demons. There are people that want to... <laughs> there are people that want to take you back to your past. For some people like us, we have to consistently be praying sanctification. Some people want to try you. One day, that's a, that's a study. I won't call it, I won't go into this day because you might know this. But someone in ministry has a title. Frustrated me so much. I said, God, let this guy just go back to Nigeria one day. One day. I will book my flight and go back. Just to beat him and come back. <laughs> I can't beat him here. If I beat him here, I'll be arrested. He <laughs> said, Lord, just, just take both of us to Nigeria one day, same day. From the airport, I'm just holding you. I've caught you now. You. <laughs> They want to bring out your bad side. So, but you see, Israel was a nature that was known for murmuring. What will Moses learn? You as a believer, do you have friends that know how to murmur? <laughs> All right, my next slide. But there are a few things that Moses learned in the wilderness. Your wilderness journey strips you. Of privileges you think you have. In the palace, he could come in and go at any time. In the palace, he had an entourage. In the wilderness, he had mosquitoes. I'm helping you. In the palace, he had anything he wanted to eat. In the wilderness, he had to go hunting. There were things that God has to take you through to, to understand your journey. You're too proud. Too proud. Because you have everything at your back and call. Uh, just ask for it. Just ask for it. So you're going through your blessing. In the wilderness journey, God will teach you humility. Why would you want to pray in palace when everything you want is there? You don't pray in your palace. You don't pray. Why would I pray for what I have access to? Why would I pray for money? I've got it. Why would I pray for health? I've got private doctors. Lord, I pray for food. I've got fresh food every single day. Why would I pray for what God has given me in the palace? But sometimes God will take you from the palace to understand the power of suffering. Now Moses had to learn this thing. Number one, humility. Moses learned the importance of humility. And our God opposes the proud in James 4 verse number 6. Exodus chapter 2 verse 21 tells us that Moses agreed to leave with Jethro. Uh-uh, Moses decided to squat. <laughs> Back in the day, Moses did not just have his room. He had his mansions. He might sleep in one room with one leg. The next room with the next leg. He stretched himself. But right now, Moses became a squatter with a median priest. Jethro is his father-in-law, Ruel. But he was a poor priest because Midian was a desert. And he had to share the mats with Kandu, no Nepa. 
<laughs> or electricity. He has to squat with Jethro. Wilderness will humble you. Oh, you leave your lovely mortgage. They'll kick you out. And then you guys will form Ambuji. Say, Sister, Sister Tony, can I spend two nights in your house? <laughs> Wilderness season. It will appreciate, you appreciate God. Bible says that he was humble. He had patience. Moses learned patience, waiting on the Lord's timing and not his own. How do you know that in the scripture? Do you know that when Moses killed the guy in chapter 2 of the book of Exodus, Bible says he looked to his left and to his right and saw no one and he struck. That's the problem. He didn't look upward. And that's where a lot of you are. The reason why you haven't looked upward, you're looking left and right, because you have everything that comes to you left and right. When God wants to deal with you, <laughs> Moses was not patient enough to look upward, like you and I. Lord God, I cannot wait for the journey. I just need, I don't care as long as it's the sun. Like I said, the problem with our Christian faith eh, is, is, is Christianity and, and Islamism. Why? Because the father of our faith was impatient. God promised you're going to have a son Isaac, but you wanted it in your own time. And that's why whenever you go ahead of God, you have an Isaac, an Ishmael. Whenever you go ahead of God, there's always an Ishmael to fight against. Isaac and Ishmael became loggerheads. Why? Because their father decided not to wait. Be careful and wait for your time. He makes all things beautiful in his time, not your time. In his time. God has a reason why that thing hasn't happened yet. Stop jumping the gun. Stop rushing the process. You have to wait until God says it's time for your breakthrough. Amen, church. Amen. The problem with us, we want it now. If you have it now, to kill you. There is a monster on the other side of your immaturity. I taught my students yesterday. I told them about... I used the SWOT analysis to teach on what you call prophetism. Using the SWOT analysis, and I did a, and the pestle as well, the bit of work. Every one of us are going through our journey as prophetic people, right? You know what I mean? The difference between you and I, or you and the next person, it's not like you're not prophetic enough. There are certain conversations God will never bring to your knowing if you are still on certain levels. Apostle, I don't hear from God anymore. It's not like you don't hear from God. The conversations you're asking for, you've not, you not attained capacity to hear. So there are some of us that hear every single time because we keep stretching. So God will never bring to your access to information when you are stuck. Are you hearing, church? Patiently go through the process. Are you hearing? Patiently. Stay in the promise. Graduate to Potiphar. From Potiphar, go through your prison. From your prison, stand before Pharaoh. From your Pharaoh, become a patriarch. From the patriarch, have the promises. Whenever you skip the process, you will end up with rags. He had a tunic that became a royal robe because he understood what it meant to go through the process. Amen. Amen. So he was patient. Trust! I had to shout. 
I have trust issues. No, no, it's not an excuse. I have trust issues. I have trust issues. And you have trust issues for people that are called your helpers of destiny. I don't trust them and they have the check in your hands for you. Moses trusted Pharaoh's daughter. Now he has to trust in God. In God. In the wilderness. Obedience. Moses learned to obey God's command. John 14, 15 tells us that. Exodus tells us also that Moses obeyed God's instruction to return and confront Pharaoh. Amen. Moses ran from Pharaoh. In the wilderness, he was told to confront Pharaoh. You will never fall your Goliath in the palace. You have to learn first to deal with lions and bears in the wilderness. Are you hearing? There are certain fights you should do. Let me help you. If you are still in your palace journey, there are certain fights you should enter, engage. The enemy will finish you. You need to understand that you must have done your rehearsal with lions and bears. Before you stand before Goliath. Obedience. Perseverance. Persevere. Learn persevere in the face of adversity. In James chapter number 1 verse 12. Exodus 5 verse 1 to 3 tells us that Pharaoh refused to let Israelite go. But of course, Moses continued to press on. Dependence on God. Courage. Forgiveness. And the last one I want to talk about here is servanthood number nine. Somebody say servanthood. servanthood. Do you really know what a servant is? In the current definition, we have trivialized the sacredness of servanthood. To a point that Paul when he was freed. Now, back in the day, when you are a servant, if you're a servant, you would serve your master for years. And at the end of your tenure, they'll give you a certificate of completion called Tetelestai. Now, the word Tetelestai is your certificate that you've completed your servanthood. Now, for a lot of people, they would take the certificate and then they would start their journey as free people. Amen. We want to be free, right? Paul took the Tetelestai and said, I am a bond servant, doulos. That word bond servant means, yes, I am freed, but I want to remain a slave. What they would do, they would take their hair and put on the doorpost. And then the master of the house would use a, a big hammer and a pin to pest the hair against the doorpost and give them a herring. And the herring is actually their certificate of completion but still decided to serve. What Paul is saying is that even though I've been freed, I'm still a servant. The attitude of service means that I might know it all, but I'm still willing to serve. In Christendom, there is no graduation from servants or service. We consistently continue to serve. And the greatest form of service is when you know God has elevated you, but you decided to serve. Some of you just cast one demons. You don't have apostles. <laughs> you did life. You have seven people join your life. You want to start a church. Like, you want, you, you want to start a church? How? Yeah, I had seven people join me. And for the seven, two are your brothers. One is your sister. Your mom encouraged you. Three. 
They don't know how to serve. Do you know service is a call? People are called to serve. Your call is to serve someone else's vision. Everyone will not preach this back on the pulpit. Some it might be to serve the, the assignment of the visionary. <laughs> you know, God blesses, bless you from your place of service. Service is not eye service, by the way. Just to make it clear. Because some of you only serve when the person is looking. The last part is what I want to talk about before I end. I know I've got a few minutes to go, one minute to go, but I will break their law because they broke my law first. <laughs> Leadership. You hear me? You hear me? I will not affirm anyone, ordain anyone, validate anyone that haven't served. No. I will not put you into public service as an authority when I haven't seen your scar. I want to see your gravestone, your tombstone. Where did you die? Your life in media will tell me what you've learned. Median is a place that will strip you of that pride that comes as concern. Moses killed a guy, ran to Median, and was unable to bury the guy. He hadn't learned. God had to teach him, break him. The first thing he did when he went to Median was to go to a well. And only servants go to well. Hear me out. Brothers, if you're online, hear me. The first thing that Moses did was saw some ladies going to draw water. Uh, I want to tell them off now. <laughs> and Moses came and saw the girls and took the picture. So you guess, you are princesses. I can allow you to serve this with rigor. And draw water from the why am I here? You men, look at your faces. You will allow your sister carry heavy chair. And hard labor. You will come and sit down in church and the, the sisters, give me more time. Oh, she's giving me more time. <laughs> That's no sorry today. It's point and kill. <laughs> you come to church and sit down in the palace while your sister had mopped the ground, arranged the chairs. You come, let sit down, and leave back early. You come to church, run back home. Your sisters are holding people seeking deliverance. Man, you haven't learned median. Once you've learned median, you understand that you are a watcher. All the sisters will be saved before you go home. Wow. Yeah. Of course, the first thing this guy did when life taught him a lesson, the first thing he did, now the, the, the truth is this, there were men from the median who came and they were disturbing the ladies and Moses came, Moses drew them away, filled, filled the picture fed the camels, escorted them home. Make sure they are okay. Don't escort any woman home, by the way. <laughs> that, that was Moses. That's not you. 
But Moses made sure that the sisters were well looked after. You come to church, girls we are in chair, you will sit down, you will go home, come at the next Sunday, every single Sunday. You haven't learned Midian. You haven't learned what it means to be a man. You haven't learned it. Moses was a boy. I want to say this that will offend you men in this church. You cannot be boyish and expecting manly anointing. Mm, you won't do that. Median will make you honor people. Median will teach you respect. You want to be greeted first. You don't want to greet people. Because they, they increase your salary with 60p. Now you're not acting like... <laughs> acting like you are... You are, you, are the, you are the commissioner of finance. Median will humble you. Moses thought that he was the bougie boy. When the Lord dealt with him, he ran to Midian. He understood he was nobody. In Midian, you think you are somebody. Sorry, in, in the palace, you think you are somebody. In Midian, you know you are nobody. Nobody. You are nobody. Life will humble you. You used to pray, push your prayers in the palace. Father, thank you. <laughs> for, your, for the gift of life. You don't even have prayer points in, in the palace. You don't have prayer points in the palace. You don't, because everything is there. All you just wake up is like, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. When you get to Midian, <laughs> my father, You know those prayers to shake your head? Yeah, po, yeah, po, yeah, po, yeah. That's a midnight prayer. Ah. So I see some of you praying some prayers. You're, you're praying like this. I say, palace, I'll never meet you. <laughs> you're still enjoying palace life. So when you see your sisters praying some prayers, ah, they've entered, though. Ah, my father! Today, today, today. In, in the media, you pray, Lord, take your time. Take your time. So in the palace, yeah, take your time, eh? Just take your time. In, in media, let's not take your time, oh. Oh, Lord. Prayers. So I say every time that in the palace, you pray, Lord, God, send your wind. In media, you send your fire. Ah. Palace prayer is Holy Spirit, you know. Palace prayer, Holy Spirit, we thank you. Median is Holy Ghost. In the palace, it's Holy Spirit, we thank you for your sweet presence. Yeah, thank you. In Midian, you see them. Where's Sister Susie? She's not here. Where? That's a Midianite. When she comes here and kneels down with a talit. There was some Midianite in this church, like Aaron. You want to know this Midianite? All Midianites. Ah. It, it is in Midian you will learn somersault and die. Hey, have you heard of African prayer? Lord, wherever they are, somersault and die. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
I feel you, though. <laughs> I feel you. I was having prayer with someone on um, Thursday. And I was having a Zoom prayer with them. It's a long pain in prayers. You know when, you're probably, you know when someone is so desperate for an answer? She forgot that we are praying together. <laughs> she just went on. I was saying, okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm here, okay. No, God, let them die. Those people, let them die. She just went on. I said, goodness me, my battery had to die. She prayed for people to die. My battery ended up dying. But you see, the reason why we are like that in, in Median, because life will humble us. But you see, Median is not punishment. No, Median is an opportunity. When life breaks you, it's an opportunity. Would you be close to God if you had everything you wanted or you needed? If you had everything in life, you would never pray. So God oftentimes would have to strip you off to be close to you. Yes. God has to take that one thing so you can be close to him. Shall I say something about men again? To give me more time. The last part is leadership. And I like this part of leadership because this is the part I enjoy. I have a privilege to well, I have, not in the United Kingdom, I've been privileged to use leadership resources to train people. Um, a lot of you know me as a pastor, but I studied to, um, my MBA is in leadership. And I can't talk a lot about leadership because I think what's missing in the body of Christ is not people to serve, it's people to lead. And depending on your leadership style, every one of us here is a leader of some sort. Are you hearing? Whether in your local space, whether in your family relationship, you are a leader. And leaders don't train followers. Leader train leaders. All right. But in order for you to be a leader, leader is not a position you assume. It's a role that you earn. Are you hearing? It is not I want to be a leader. You must have passed the test in median. Because leadership is always in context. What have you learned to lead? Are you hearing, church? What do you have to give? What experience can you provide? What are your expertise? Have you been through the suffering? How would you tell me how to endure perseverance if you haven't been suffered? You haven't suffered. What's, what's the context of your leadership? You're telling me to pray, 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 pray. Did you pray and it happened? How would your life be an example? You know, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, I call it the Great Omission. When he gave the Great Commission, the first example of evangelism is the people, yourself. Do you look like what you evangelize? How can you talk about sacrifice when you don't smell burnt? That's the question. Oh, just go through the process. You don't smell like smoke. How would I listen to you? Have you been burnt? What is the context? I want to feel you and see the charcoal. You smell like gushy, not smell like charcoal. That's the question. You want to lead. What have you learned? What do you have to offer on the table? What's your work experience? What do you know? How do you engage the heavens? What's your relationship with the Spirit of the Lord? Do you understand the depth of my pain? Can I give language and context to what I'm suffering? All these things, that's why it's a school. So you come out of the school understanding. You see, one of the things I tell people every time is this. You should be able to give context to people's expressions. Are you hearing? The man by the name of John the Baptist could not lead people in the wilderness. The wilderness was to train him. He had to go to Jordan, place of community. How can you call yourself a, a leader and you're a loner? Leader, 
You don't socialize with people in your church? A leader? You have a little called a member of your church for two weeks, a leader? You're still leaning. Because a, a leader will teach you what it means to impart. Hear me, church. Leading will... This guy was anointed, great guy. His father-in-law called him and told him, oh God, you would die of the anointing. Anointing can kill you. If you don't pour out this spirit to 70 people. You are, you are anointed in your own cycle. You've not been able to dispense power. Empower people around you. And God told Moses, you, you are so anointed, but you will die of the anointing. Do you know what you carry can kill you? Oh, the weight of your mantle. Ask David. Anointed. Kid, lion, and bear. We couldn't walk on a regalia. And we killed the lion and the bear. He couldn't walk on Saul's coats. The mantle of king. He couldn't walk in them. He carried the mantle strong and great. David's first enemy was not Goliath. It was the mantle. Be careful of what you assume, you know. He could not, perhaps he could not walk in them. He hadn't mastered them. There's there is, there is, there is, there is artistry to your call. Have you mastered your call? Do you understand what it means to navigate apostolically or prophetically? Do you, do you know you? What is your assignment on the earth? What is your purpose? Why are you here today? What were you born to solve? You're not born to come and give praise and worship every Sunday. What is your, when we come together as a church, we are form a community. What is your own assignment as of on Sundays? What is your purpose? What are you born to do? 99% of people don't know their purpose. They just leave or just exist. Every time a child cries or is born, you're born to solve a problem. You are born for, you are born only because there's a need. You are born for, to solve a problem. It is in media and you find your purpose. Who told you your job is to work nine to five and die? I mean, God created you for nine to five and die. Oh, no, no, no. God created you. You're born, have children, nine to five, go to heaven. Is that what it is? When the heaven is coming to the earth? What is your purpose? Every single time you inhale and exhale is an indication that every single, every single second, what's your purpose? Oscar, what's your purpose? How many of you have vision balls in your homes? How many of you consistently review your purpose? How many of you will say, my assignment is to be this for the local church, the, the, the universal church, the body of Christ as life? How many of you are working in your assignment? Medium will teach you. Moses thought he was, Moses thought he was an intercessor. You, you, you haven't learned you want to kill. Do you understand the reason why you breathe? You let the comfort of your house at this time of the day not to know your assignment. Everyone here was born to solve something. Everyone here. And not what assignments are alike. Are you here in the church? Not what assignments are alike. What is my purpose for breathing? Because, listen, if you don't find out the reason for your birth, we are a waste of space. We've wasted God's creative genius. When God breathed upon us in Apuka, I breathed, solve government problem, financial issues, 
God breathed on you for a specific purpose. When that breath came into your lungs, it was to solve not just local, but national issues, international issues, territorial issues. You were born to solve a problem. We're still eating burger and KFC. When we should be solving governmental issues. When we should be speaking to the government. I said, we rebuke every form of immorality in the states, in the government. That's where you learn it. We've, we've, we've learned palace so long that we're so comfortable with the norm. Once, until you understand the reason why you leave, you will make excuses. Every single day. Excuses. Excuses every single day. Listen. How can you call yourself a king? I'm a kingdom financier. You don't watch the news. You don't watch Bluebeck. You don't watch uh, 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 TV or read books on finances. I've got to be a financier. You have no understanding of money. You don't understand the rudiments and the principles of the spirit of money. Money is not currency. God help me today. We know money. We don't know currency. What currency is a verb? Current flows. Money is a legal tender, not currency. Currency is a spiritual tender. Money is the physical evidence of currency. Money is not spirit. The current is. I want to be a millionaire. Have you, have, you, have, you, have, you, have you taken the time to study Elon Musk? I want to be a millionaire. How they did things. Have you studied Bill Gates? How he made money? Is it to cost him about vaccines? You want to cost vaccines? Yes, he's done some stupid stuff. But have you studied what it means to create wealth? You'll be shocked that she's a doctor. I want to talk about medical things sometimes. You'll be shocked. I keep asking every question every time I'm home. Why haven't they found out the solution to cancer? Do you know someone was born to solve that? And it might be you. Born to bring out a tablet that will not can, not cancer for life. We don't know. If you understood your purpose, you would delete that WhatsApp group. Yes, you would delete the WhatsApp group that gossip about people. I'm too busy investigating resources for my future. Median will humble you. Are you here in church? Who likes to go to Median? Who wants to go to Median? You don't want to go? It will humble you. Leadership, I've got no, no more minutes. I'm done in five minutes. It learns humility as a leader. Patience as a leader. Faith as a leader. Perseverance as a leader. Leadership as a leader. Forgiveness as a leader. Courage as a leader. Meekness as a leader. Many of us are so righteously proud. You walk like you can't be spoken to. Because you cast one small spirit. You, you, you walk like you're, you're emperor, 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 emperor of the Christian faith. You haven't learned. Apostle has been misconstrued in the current dispensation. Apostles and prophets, you have foundations. Foundations are not seen. Foundations are under. I'm an apostle and you want to brag your shoulders? Apostles are foundations. It means you should be stepped on. 
People call you by your first name, you're upset. <laughs> you don't know I'm an apostle? Well, I'm like, like, like as if tied to cast out demons. <laughs> Media will strip you. Ah! This thing called prophet, I run from it. It has been so messed up, I'm ashamed to put it as a designation. I put DR, the one I earned, the one I earned. That one you can't take from me. Yeah, I can't take it from me. I spent years and years on that. You, you tell someone you're a prophet now, they call you a criminal. Oh, no, prophet, all these prophets, prophets, prophets. Asking for money. So disdained. In Midian, you don't care about title. You're asking God for mantles. In Midian, who care about title? Lord, increase my capacity. Increase power. Increase courage. Increase the might of God. Increase the strength of God. In media. You are pursuing righteousness, not pursuing chicks. Median, you live on your knees. Crying to the Lord God, Lord send revival. Lord, in median, are you hearing me church? Suffering will come, but it is for your own good. And I put here, in the palace, he thought he was somebody. In the wilderness, he knew he was nobody. In leadership, he knew God could use anybody. Anyone God can use. Say to your neighbor, suffer well. It is only the qualifications for reigning. There is a reward that comes with your reign, your suffering. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to be quick with this one. I'm out. I won't even open my stuff. You can Look at it at home. Now, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 26, verse 26, when Jesus had resurrected and was with his disciples, three things happened. He blessed the bread, palace. He broke the bread, median. Gave the bread, leadership. In your Christian journey, these three things as the Jesus term that will happen to you when God first blesses you. Professor Anita, oh, all is well. You are enjoying your best life and, and living the best life when he blessed the bread. Bible says what he did first. He lifted the bread and blessed it. We like that lifting, right? Lord, thank you for the lifting. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for pain. Thank you for something. It's a beautiful day. We like that. We like it, right? When he blesses you. Apostle, everything I ask for, God has given me. Praise God. You are testifying. Don't worry. Go through Midian. You're going to take a break for one month. We love the blessing part of life. Sapling, sir. Mindy. We love the blessing part of life. We love it. Don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to be blessed? We want to be blessed. That was what Jesus did first. To bless you. Ganga, season two. Season 2, Bible says he broke the bread. Why would God break what he blesses? That's the question. If you bless me, why are you breaking me? If you bless me, why are you breaking my home? Breaking my health? Breaking my finances? Breaking everything? But God breaks to give. After breaking the bread, and he saw the pain, and he said to them, just as the Son of Man was lifted, blessed, broken on the cross, and then given, you also have to go through these processes. The reason for the breaking 
is for the giving. Are you hearing me, church? God would have to beautifully break you. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it would use the people that love you the most to break you. Ah, sometimes you will use those you love. Bah, I thought you loved me. He does love you. And it's breaking you. Breaking your every being. Breaking your philosophies. Breaking your thought processes. But God is breaking you to give capacity. You know, the oil will have to flow through the crevices of the brick. When you put an oil on the brick, it doesn't flow inside. The oil just goes around the brick. But when the brick is broken, the oil finds expression through the crevices. So God would have to break you, not just to heal your external body, but your emotional spaces as well. Brokenness is necessary for your next level. One day I'll share my testimony. What you see right now is a product of extreme brokenness. Have you ever... (laughs) I've been in spaces where I cried until there was no tears. Do you understand what it means today? That's that God is gladly dealing with people that don't like me. He just fights for me. Because there, was, there were times in my life I'm like, what's the point? What is the point? Why would you wound me so badly and want me to stand before them and praise you? You've never been there. Because your next breakthrough is the response of your brokenness. Are you hearing? Would you pack your bag and say, I'm done? When God refuses refuses and tells you, no, keep being wounded. Keep being broken. I have it in my hands, but you have to suffer for it. You haven't seen. There is a space in God where you become comfortable in pain. Ah! If you put me in the lion's den, or you put me in the fiery furnace, if God saves me, it's God. If God doesn't save me, it's to God. That part, when God would tell you to look at your brother, to love and bless them who despitefully use you. Have you ever wept for people who the Lord showed you are your killers? The sad thing of a prophet is to know your killers will give them a hug. Forensic gifting is what I never asked for. Before the Lord gave you that level of sight and forensic grace, you have to first test your heart. You will see someone cursing you face to face. And you have to love on them and bless them. Broke you. But Lord God, not what I want, but your will. Finally, on the, before the cross, he had a negotiation with the father. He said, Papa, take this cup from me. This one, I can't drink it. He knew he was to drink it, but he said, I can't. This is God saying he can't drink it. This is too much for me. Nevertheless, not my will. Can I come to that space in your Christian journey? I'm in pain, frustrated, I'm angry. In 2017, 18, I couldn't cry at home. I couldn't scream. I was piling up but hurt. I was preaching but bleeding. I was angry, but I love Jesus. I was frustrated. Things were happening. I just got my degree then again. Found it was just back. I, I did not have the space 
to even process stuff in my head. And I went to a park. I went to a park at night, about 6 p.m. It was during the winter time. And I just screamed. All I needed was to release that energy. I screamed. I asked God questions. Why? I'm tired. You haven't seen the truth. You, you're, not, you're not realistic with God. You are still trying to medicate your pain. When it says, come to me all here who labor. You're still trying to process it. I said, let's talk as father and son. Not in my house. Because I'm too, I'm, too, I'm, I'm too upset to talk in my house. I'm going to the park. I want to scream. I said, but God, why? In the park myself. Why? I'm tired. I'm tired. Why? And he said to me, son, you ask for the nations. So whom much is given? He didn't ask for a state. He didn't ask for a family. He didn't ask for your nation. You ask for nations of the world. Make me a voice to nations. I'm only giving you the nation's burden. I have to suffer. So on the cross, as you took the cross through Golgotha, the place of skull, the place of horror, he knew that the distance between Golgotha and Calvary was a skull, place of grief. And with this church, don't skip the process. Amen. Hear me out. There was first a promise. You're going to be a great man. The nations will bow to you. That was a good prayer, right? Nations will bow to you. They didn't tell him that the ones you love will strip you of your garments and put the blood of a goat. Coat of many colors back in the day was the cloth of the palace, living your best life. They had to strip the coat of many colors. Sold into slavery. From promise, it went to Potiphar. From Potiphar, it went to the prison. From the prison, it went to Pharaoh. From Pharaoh, it became a prime minister. From a prime minister, it became a patriarch. And every of these steps, there were garments. But God has to strip all these garments. Why? Because there is a royal robe waiting at the end of your median. My prayer for you today is not to end like Moses, but to serve like Moses. That men will not strip you of your inheritance. Rise upon your feet as we pray. Median for a lot of you is different. I don't know what pain you're going through right now, but I believe every one of us here we have our pain, we have our struggles. There was something that we are struggling with. For the next 60 seconds, whatever it is, bring it before the Lord. What you call Christian persecution, Christian suffering. Close your eyes and bring your heart. It is not a time to quit. It is a time for strength. Lord, strengthen me as I navigate this Christian journey. This is not easy. Strengthen me. Are you hearing me, church? Pray strength. Please, I beg you. You will need his strength for the days to come.
the world is getting darker. The price of everything is going up. What is the faith? What is the hope of our faith? It's a time to say, God, strengthen me. Median is hard. Hear me out. If you feel like you are going through what you call any form of hardship in your journey, lift up that hand. I want to pray for you. I will do the same. You know that for some reason, this is hard. This is harder than I thought. I'm going through so much brokenness. Lift our hands. We want to pray. See, we want to pray together as a church. We are going through that pain. I'm there as well. I'm your apostle, but I'm going through that place of God. Why? Lord, we just come before you. We come with our hearts open. Say, help us, Lord. Help us, oh God, to understand the purpose of media. Help us, God. Help us, God. Pray the prayer. We know, God, that this is so much, but we trust you. Help us, oh God. Lord, the persecution and the tribulation. You help us, oh God. Help us. Help us, help us, oh God. <laughs>